All right, sound check. Jim, are you there? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, I can. I'll meet you up. Good. Dr. Kemp, are you there? Yes, good evening. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Great. Coach Pavlik, are you there? She may have to unmute herself. Coach Pavlik, are you there? Dr. Kemp, work with her. She'll have to go out and come back in, okay? All right. Joelle, are you there? Yes. Good evening, everyone. All righty. Thank you. Testing. Coach Pavlik, are you there? Okay, I have to keep working with her. Okay.
good evening. Coach Pavlik, are you there? I am. All right, hello. All right, we're gonna mute you and we'll come back in about 25 minutes. Great to have you, okay? All right, sounds good. All right, Coach. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Good evening. Welcome to another evening of Dr. Cliff Burton Friends featuring the absolute very best in all of women's sports and HBCU athletics. And uh, tonight, we're going to say happy Black History Month, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Happy post-Super Bowl. I hope everybody's happy. And of course, happy pre-NBA All-Star Weekend. Let's go around and tell everybody hello. My co-host, Jim. Tell everybody hello, the Music City, no, Motor City Miracle. Jim. Hello, hello from the Motor City. All right. All righty. And Dr. Marlon Kemp, tell everybody hello from a lot of snow up here in Jersey. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you. All righty. And welcome from the Music City now, none other than the Hall of Fame volleyball player from Fisk University, Joel Bowers. Tell him hello, Joel. Hello, everyone. Good evening. Good evening. All righty. And we're going to have about 25 minutes. Uh, our special guest, we're going to introduce her. She's a two-time national championship volleyball coach in Division Three from the Juniatic Eagles in Huntington, Pennsylvania. And boy, we are looking forward. So let's get started. First, Cardi G. Woodson. This is Black History Month. Cardi G. Woodson, born the 7th, 1975th, April 3rd, 1950. American historian, author, journalist, and founder of the Association for the Study of African-American Life and History. He also was the founder of the Journal of Negro History in 1916. He's been called author of Black History. In February 26, he launched the celebration of Negro History Week and the precursor for Black History Month. Uh, Jim, tell me, give me your thoughts. Dr. Carter G. Woodson, he also was the second African-American to receive a doctorate from Harvard University. Jim? Well, Dr. Uh, he named, he decided for February because of the fact that uh, Abraham Lincoln, and Frederick Douglass were born in February. Mm -hmm. And that's why he decided on February for Black History Week and then month. All righty. Uh-huh. Dr. Kemp, Carter G. Woodson, give us a thought. Sure. He was um, the son of former slaves. Um, he actually earned his graduate degrees at the University of Chicago. Um, he was, as you said, um, one of the second African-Americans to receive a Ph.D. from Harvard University uh, and just contributed so much to us um, being able to have Black History Month. Yeah, thank you so much, Dr. Kemp, Dr. Carter G. Woodson. Now, second, I'm going to recognize the woman they call Moses, Harriet Tubman, on March 10, 1913. And she was an American abolitionist and social activist. After escaping slavery, she made some 13 missions to rescue approximately 70 enslaved people, including her family and friends, in her parents on the Underground Railroad. Uh, again, she has the nickname of Moses. She has a tremendous background. And uh, we're just honored for this woman. She also fought 
in the uh, Civil War on the side of the Union. So tell me, Joelle, give me your thoughts on Harriet Tubman. Yes, I like to give my thoughts on Harriet Tubman. I, we know her as the Underground Railroad and all she's done, but what I'd like to, she repeatedly went back. She fought for freedom, not just for herself, but she went back for her people. And she fought against in the army and everything, and as a female or a woman. So we have that in our blood to carry on and fight for the freedom. We're, it's, it's not over. We still have to make sure in this United States of America that we are free no matter where we go. So Alrighty. thank you. All right. Thank you, Joelle. Harry Tubman. Now, I also want to welcome our 10 engaged listeners in counseling, accounting, excuse me, as well as our 10 additional in the chat box. Now, there's someone else in history. Miss Charlotte E. Ray on January 13, 1850. She died in January 4th, 19th. American lawyer, and she was the first African-American female lawyer in the United States. She graduated from Howard University School of Law in 1872, and she was also the first female admitted to the District of Columbia Bar and the first woman admitted to practice before the Supreme Court of the District of Columbia. Her mission was used as a precedent by women in other states who sought admission to the bar. Jim, what do you think about Ms. Charlotte? Ray. Yes, Ms. yes, yes, yes. Miss Charlotte Ray is a person. Mm -hmm. She's a person that, you know, you rarely hear about, but it's very important for the advancement of our, our, our color of our black people. She uh, became when she was a teacher. She fought in the suffrage unit movement and joined the NAACP for colored colored women. Yeah. And she uh, opened her law office in an office run by Frederick Douglass. All righty. Mrs. Charlotte Ray. Yeah. Dr. Kemp, I want you to give me a comment on Miss Charlotte Ray. Attorney Charlotte Ray. Uh, I think Jim pretty much summed it all and took all of mine. But hey, what can I say? I didn't even really, I didn't know about Charlotte E. Ray until you brought her to the forefront. So we're definitely um, grateful for her just being one of the first Black African American female attorneys in the United States and to practice before the Supreme Court. Um, that says a whole heck of a lot. So my hat goes off to attorney Charlotte E. Ray. Thank you for bringing her to the forefront. Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Kemp. All righty. Now, a couple of birthdays, and we're going to move on to our sporting segment. Uh, basketball great. We'll start with February 17th, Michael Jeffrey Jordan, considered to be arguably the greatest basketball player of all time. But a lot of his moves and his high-flying action came from following a predecessor of his, Julius Dr. J. Irving. He was also born February 22nd. And then comedian Chris Rock, <laughs> been in the news lately, but he also had a birthday this month. Jim, give us a brief comment on Julius, Jordan, and Chris. I do want to set it off. You forgot the, another famous doctor, Dr. Cliff Button. All right, we'll leave that one out of there. He's not that good. Oh, uh, yes, he is. Uh, Best <laughs> thing to happen to Brooklyn. But Michael, <laughs> you know, Julius Irving was the first high flyer. 
in the ABA, then came over to the NBA, won a championship with the Sixers, and Michael Jordan, arguably the best player ever. And yep. Chris Rock, great comedian, great actor, yep. all around good guy. He took yep. one for the team at the Emmys. I mean, at the Oscars. <laughs> Dr. Kim, give us your thoughts. Julius, Jordan, Chris Rock. <laughs> Well, we know before Michael, there was Julius, the 76ers. And what can we say? Uh, Dr. J was one of the main reasons back in the day that I used to watch basketball. Um, he definitely was able to perform and make it exciting. Then, of course, my hometown was blessed to get Michael. And he finally brought Chicago some championships. <laughs> we will forever be indebted for him. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. Joel, I'm going to ask you to give us a quick comment on Chris Rock. Chris Rock, Joel. Yes, Chris Rock, a famous comedian and actor. Unfortunately, like uh, they mentioned, uh, he did take one for the team during (laughs) that time, and hopefully we'll get over it because he's one of our most famous comedians and play in some of our best movies. So my shout out to him, and I'm ready to see his comeback in something great. So thank you. Thank you so much, Noel. Thank you so much, Noel. Chris Rock, Julius Irving, and Michael Joffrey Jordan. Now, week two, we're going to talk about our Women Executive of the Month. Uh, She just signed the contract. She's still playing in the WNBA. Nika Wumake. All righty. And... um, she signed with the Seattle Storm, but she's also the head of the Players Association. We talked last week about how she um, she has a, a collective bargaining agreement, or she negotiated a year or so, a new game-changing collective bargaining ab- agreement. And, and, and it's one of those things was that it would give players free access to fertility testing services, in addition to secure reimbursements for adoption, fertility treatment, surrogacy, and the historic CBA included maternity leave with full salary and a dedicated space for breastfeeding in the arena for women. Woman case recent partnership with a modern fertility part of the digital health company Roe will provide at-home hormone tests so that the players can better plan for their reproductive uh, health in future years. She also, in the negotiation of the collective bargain agreement, helped negotiate higher salaries for WNBA players and um, and a lot more equity for them. So, Anika um, Wumike, Jim, give us your thoughts on that. Anika, yeah. She is, you know, like I said, she's not only doing these things for the union, she's playing in the league mm-hmm. as a, a, a pretty a pretty darn good player, pretty star player. But, you know, she's fighting for issues that women have you know have been fighting for for years yeah you know just to eat you know not only eat more pay but just things that affect women and you know she's doing a great job doing this doing them both yep and i know jim was still on thank you jim was still on the table is the way that uh the wmba women travel to games now the issues died down but they were flying commercial during the COVID era and some of the WNBA players were catching COVID rather than private jets, even though some of the owners had agreed 
to uh, give them private jets. The league said no. Dr. Kemp, what's your thoughts on Ms. Anika Agumake? She is one phenomenal um, young lady, a player. Um, her name alone means mother is supreme in her mm. native Nigerian language. Mm -hmm. So with the meaning of her name and what she is definitely doing now for the ladies of the WNBA, that speaks volume. You know, she's bringing a lot of issues to the back to the forefront. Like you said, that, that women have fought for, still fighting for, um, but she's definitely keeping it in the for, forefront uh, for the players and um, hopefully it will cross over to not just in the WNBA, but all the other professional uh, women's sports um, as well. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Kemp. Thank you so much. Now, our woman of the month, uh, last week we talked about all of her winning percentages, uh, but this great champion, uh, Serena Jamika. Williams, early in her life, born in September 26, 1981, in Saginaw, Michigan, to Orisine Price and Richard Williams, the youngest of Price's five daughters, a half-sister, Jatunde, Lindria, and Isha Price, and full sister Venus. She also has at least seven paternal half-siblings. Children were young. The family moved out from California. That's where she started business at the age of her father, Holy Spirit, and Venus. While she and their mother had been the official coaches for other mentors in Richard Williams, a Crofton man who shared her father's name and subsequently founded the Venus and Serena Williams Tennis Tutorial Academy. This is just one of the areas of the life of great Serena Williams. Well, give us some input, none other than Serena Williams, our woman. Of Yes, my hat's off to uh, Serena Williams and all that she's doing. Like I had said before, and I can't, we must follow her and see where she's going from now as a mother, as a uh, athlete, also as an entrepreneur and a style setter and a trendsetter. And with this internet and her fashion and her raising her daughters and so much to go on, I just, she's a powerhouse to be reckoned with. So thank you. All righty. All righty. Jim, Serena Williams. I mean, she's probably goat in tennis. She also, you know, had to fight, her and uh, Venus had to fight a lot against racism. You remember Indian Hills in California where they were booed. And, you know, she's done a lot to bring just dominance to the women's tennis tournament. And, you know, anytime you see Serena, you, you see a lot of people just fold up and just say they don't want it. She was that, she is that great of a champion. I, I, I think she still has some tennis left in her. And I'd <laughs> yeah. love to see her win another title. Yeah. Uh, Jim, one of the, uh, our woman of the month back over a year ago, Miss Coach Pat Summit from the Tennessee Ball, the late Pat Summit, she had a saying that says, pressure is a privilege. And it seemed like Rita Williams, no matter what's going on around her, when she stepped on that uh, tennis court, she embraced the pressure. It was a privilege. And uh, it showed up in the game. The bigger and the tougher the moment, the better Serena. Joelle, your thoughts? No, Dr. Kemp, your thoughts? Serena Williams. 
You're absolutely right, um, Dr. Bird. I totally agree um, with you. And thank you for just reminding us that sh they're actually from Michigan, Jim, mm -hmm. um, and not Compton, California. Um, but she definitely, um, she stepped out on that court. You can tell that she was about the business at hand, uh, regardless who she was playing. Um, it was always, always about winning, um, but definitely um, respecting her opponent as well. She will definitely go down as the GOAT, the greatest of all times in tennis. Jim, I totally agree with you. Um, but as Joelle also said, the other things um, that she's doing as a businesswoman, a mother, entrepreneur, um, she definitely showed us that you can definitely try to have it all. Oh, yeah. Serena Williams, have her, with, have, us, have her with us a few more weeks, and we're going to continue to highlight this tremendous, tremendous champion. Now, let's go to our conferences, CIAA, Women's Basketball, and SIAC. They both get started their tournaments, March Madness, at the end of the month. And um, Also, the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference starts their tournament at the end of the month. SIAC in Savannah, Georgia, the Gulf Coast, Tuscaloosa and uh, CIAA will be in Baltimore, Maryland, all beginning at the end of this month. Here we go. These are the conference records for the women. In the Northern Division, Elizabeth City State, 7-6, Virginia Union, 9-5, Virginia State, 10-3, Lincoln, PA, 6-8, Bluefield State, 5-7, Bowie State, 5-7. In the Southern Division, Fayetteville State, 13-1, Claflin, 7-5, Johnson C. Smith, 8-6, St. Augustine, 6-8, Winston-Salem State, 2-11, Shaw, 6-8, and, and Livingston is 3-11, and, and they are bringing up the rear, okay? Now, in the SIAC, women in the Eastern Division, and these are the conference records only, Savannah State, 12-4, Fort Valley State, 10-5, Clark Atlanta, 9-7, Edward Water, 6-9, Albany State, 4-11, Allen, 4-11, and Benedict, 1-15. In the Western Division, Miles 13-2, Kentucky State 13-3, Tuskegee 10-5, Lane 9-7, Lemoyne 0-7-9, Central State 6-9, and Spring Hill is bringing up the rear. So now we have it, the Women's Division of the SIAC, Southern Intercollegiate Athletic Conference. Now quickly, let's go to the women's standings in a very tight race in the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference and NAIA Division. Russ College, okay? They are 13 and 1. Fisk, 12 and 2. Landon Smith, 12 and 3. Dillard, 11 and 4. Those top are racing to see who finishes first in the regular season of the conference. Wiley, 6 and 11. Oakwood, 5 and 8. Tugaloo, 5 and 9. Talladega, 4 and 8. Southern University, 2 and 13. And the Virgin Islands, they are 2 and 12. There you have it. SIAC, CIAA, GCAC, Women's Basketball will return next week with the MEAC and also the SWAT, our Division I conferences, and we'll go from there. We're going to take one minute, and then we're coming right back with uh, Joelle with the men's basketball for the CIAA and the SIAC. All righty? We'll be right back.
All right, welcome back, Dr. Cliff Burton, friends, featuring the absolute very best in all the women's sports and HBCU athletics. Now, Pamela Renee, P. Renee Estates at Pamela at P. Renee Estates.com, 404-964-4294. If you're looking for residential, commercial, land, builder, developer, or investor services in the Atlanta area, you can call her 404-964-4294. That's P. Renee Estates. Joelle, take us away, men's basketball. Yes, we have the CIAA men's basketball standing as of right now in the Northern Division. We have Lincoln with a nine and five, Virginia Union, six and seven, Virginia State, six and seven, Elizabeth City State, four and nine, Bowie State, three and 10. Bluefield State, four and nine. In the Southern Division, we have Fayetteville State, nine and five. Kathleen, 10 and four. St. Augustine's, eight and six. Livingston, seven and seven. Winston-Salem, nine and five. And Shaw with seven and seven. Next, we have with the SIAC, men standing in the East, we have Clark Atlanta with a 14 and three. Morehouse, 13 and three. Benedict with a 13 and four. Allen, nine and eight. Edward Waters also with a nine and eight. Savannah State, seven and 10. Fort Valley State, five and 12. Albany State, five and 13. In the West, we have next with a mile, with Miles in first in the West with a 12 and four. Green Hill, 10 and 7, Tuskegee, 10 and 7, Lane, 7 and 11, Kentucky State, 6 and 11, Lemoyne Owen, 6 and 12, and in the rear, Central State with a 2 and 15. And there we have our men's basketball standing. All righty. Now, one more thing. In the GCAC of men's basketball, Tugaloo, 12 and 2, Talladega, 9 and 2, Philander Smith, 13 and 3. Fisk, 8-6, Wiley, 8-9, University of New Orleans, 6-9, Dillard, 6-10, Russ, 5-9, and, and the Virgin Islands, 4-10, Oakwood, 1-11. Those are the conference standings in the Gulf Coast Conference in the men's division. Now, quick note, track and field, indoor season, is just had the ending indoor tournament or track meet for the CIAA. And today, congratulations, McLaughlin. Athlete University men's women returned as the indoor champions in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And Fayetteville State, also last year's winners in the indoor tournament, returned as the indoor track and field champions at, in the CIAA. The MIAC and the SWAC will have their indoor championships in track and field next week. The SIAC and the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference only have outdoor championships in track and field season. So again, thank you. All of our track and field champions, congratulations. Oh, yeah, they're doing well. And in WNBA, uh, Mystic star Elena Deladani decided to take at least a year off from professional basketball and decide what she's going to do in the future. And also, in WNBA, Candace Parker will return to the Las Vegas A's for the 2024 season. In essence, they are getting back all five of the original starters from last year as the defending champions. We'll take a quick minute, and we're coming right back to them 
We'll come to you for some brief updates for the NFL. All right, Tim. Back to with Burton Friends, straight from the absolute very best and all the women's sports and HBCU athletics. Welcome to our 16 engaged listeners and 14 additional in the chat. Jim, take us away. All right. You know, we had a hiring this week at Morehouse College. Morehouse hired for football, hired Terrence Mathis, former Atlanta Falcon, grew up in Stone Mountain, Georgia, and a former pro player. He's had some experience at Savannah State. And done some head coaching job where he didn't do that well. But I think the, the thing nowadays is that everybody's looking to hire former pros, you know, be it mm-hmm. Mo Williams and Kenny Anderson in basketball, Deion Sanders, uh, Ed Reed, they tried to hire down at Boone Cookman. Texas Southern wanted to get a former pro in there instead of Fred McNair. So we'll see how these things work out. Morehouse was one and nine under Gerald Wilshire, who was an alum. And they tried, they looked at Hugh Jackson, who was not, did not fare well at Grambling State. Right. So, you know, you know, that's my son's school. So I would say good luck <laughs> to uh, Terrence Mathis and hopefully he could turn it around. Oh yeah. Now, Alcorn State hired an offensive coordinator and just newsflash, we, uh, I think there were two coordinators that went on to either football subdivision, football championship subdivision teams, or in some cases, uh, power five schools. But Auburn State hired former Lincoln coach, Missouri head coach, Jermaine Gales. And he was the associate coach the last three seasons at Bluefield State. And he looks like a good hire. His offense had Averaged over 31 points and piling up 446 yards per game. Wow. Now, the Super Bowl. Yes. Now, I want to to start out by saying this. a little known fact here that we had two HBCU players in the Super Bowl. Brian Cook, who spent two years at Howard before he transferred to University of Cincinnati, and Joshua Williams, who graduated from Fayetteville State. Also, we had the Jackson State Band perform with Usher at halftime. And a little known black history fact that uh, Gremlin State performed in the first Super Bowl. Mm. Now, on to the game where we had it. It was a very good game. It was very, I thought it, it ended the way I thought it was. But let's get to the heart of it. Should have uh, the the coach of the 49ers, A, in overtime, called for to, to kick instead of receive so he knows what he needed. And since he took it, should he have 
gone for the touchdown instead of the field goal in overtime. Well, because Jeff, you know, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Well, you're right. You know, you get Patrick Holmes, Holmes that ball last, and uh, exactly. you, know, you have three. It's 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 rap almost. He's a tremendous quarterback. But I'm going to see what did Joel think about that situation in overtime with the 49ers taking the ball first, knowing that you're going to give Patrick Holmes a chance. And if you don't score a touchdown first, he's probably going to beat you. Joel, what are your thoughts on the overtime in the Super Bowl? Yes, first my head's off. That was the best Super Bowl. I was so excited and into there. And as far as them taking the ball, they was when they flipped that coin and they went in that overtime, they decided to do what was best for them. So it was two powerhouse teams. You didn't know who was going to win at the end of that. So they took that ball first. Well, guess what? They produced three, but Mahomes <laughs> and Kelsey and them produced more. more. Okay, enough to win and take home their championship. So thank you and Usher for uh you know the <laughs> halftime. Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's ask Dr. Kemp, Jim. Uh Dr. Kemp, your thoughts on uh the uh 49ers taking the ball first and knowing good well you're gonna give Mahomes a chance at the end to beat you. What are your thoughts? Well, as you just said, Dr. Burke. Uh, we already know what Mahomes was going to do and, and the Chiefs. Um, but the 49ers definitely uh, played well. Um, and that was just the, the gamble that they had to take. Um, and, you know, because we can't necessarily say that if uh, the Chiefs had the ball first, um, you know, of course, if the roles were reversed, you know, if the, that the outcome would have, you know, come out differently. So um, I think um, the 49ers, um, to some degree, they kind of lost, um, some, you know, some points that they could have had, uh, but they definitely, both teams made it very exciting, um, and the best team kind of came out, you know, on top. Yeah, yeah. Can't deny it. Can't deny it. Thanks, Dr. Kemp. Jim, back to you. I want to ask this question of my panel, of our panel, I'm sorry. Who knew that there were different rules in overtime in the playoffs than in the regular season? I did not. I promise you, Jim, when they explained that on the television, uh, I did not, and I was taken back by it. But, hey, there, there are new rules for both teams, or the teams knew it. And, um, uh, I, uh, yeah. I'm going to stop you there. I don't think the 49ers did because their players said they didn't know. Are you serious? Yes. Well, uh, uh, three or four players have come out and said that they did not know. I mean, if they just scored a touchdown on that play, I guarantee you some of the 49ers would have been looking for the confetti because well, they but, did not know. Yeah, but, Jim, what you didn't hear is the coaches and you didn't hear the organization. Somebody goes to the NFL rules and teams meeting. Everything gets those rules, okay? So if somebody is asking to the players, that's not on the league, yeah, you know. Oh, no, no, I, it's not on the league. But uh, Shanahan said he went over with his coaches. He didn't go over with his team. Well, that's all. Andy Reid said the team knew. Well, they'll and figure it out Andy next Reed. year. Mm -hmm. 49ers got to figure it out next year. All right. Um, Steve, I'm going to bring you on in the conversation. Call Steve Wright. Uh, uh, Steve, what are your thoughts about the rules that were different in the playoffs and overtime as opposed to the season? And Jim says that the. Um, 
49ers players can get the memo. Well, they've been doing it that way for two years, so they should have <laughs> known. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how they didn't get it. They've been doing it that way for two years. Well, and they should have known. That's no excuse for that. Mm-hmm. You're in the biggest game of of your life, the biggest game of the year, and you don't know what's going to happen when you go into overtime. Mm. That a rule that they have they've been uh, that's been operating for two years that they said that was going to be what was going to happen that both teams would get a shot. I knew it. Why did I know? Jim, there it is. <laughs> like I said, I did. I mean, I knew that both teams were going to get the ball, just like the new overtime rules and uh, the regular season. Are. But I did not know that if the 49ers had scored a touchdown, that the Chiefs would have gotten the ball again. Mm-hmm. But, Jim, let's do this. Let's pick it up next week. Uh, yeah. We want to go to basketball. And then we're going to go to uh, Coach Pavlik's interview. So, Steve, give us a brief minute, brief up, uh, up us on the um, NCAA and the NBA. All right, with the NCAA, uh, the top ten, UConn is remain remains number one at twenty two and two, Purdue number two at twenty two and two, Houston at three at twenty one and three. Marquette, they're playing right now. They've got a close game going on right now with Butler. Uh, they're at 18 and 5 in fourth place. Arizona is in fifth place with a 19 and 5 record. Kansas is in sixth place with a 19 and 5 record. And they were blown out by Texas Tech, 79 to 50. Texas Tech's one of those teams that, uh, could make some noise during the playoffs, uh, during the uh, NCAA tournament. North Carolina is number seven at 19 and five, and they've got a close game going with uh, Syracuse right now. Tennessee is eight at 17 and six. Uh, they had a big game, and everybody got excited. And I was like, you know, two of your people that scored over 20 played way over their heads, and then the next game, it, it was back to normal. Duke is number nine at 18 and five. They had a tough game with Wake Forest last night. And Iowa State is coming in at number 10 at 18 and 5. And they're currently playing right now also. South Carolina is right outside of the top 25 at 21 and 3. And I'm telling you, at the beginning of the year, I think they were probably picked next to last. Mm-hmm. Vanderbilt last and um, South Carolina next to last. Vanderbilt is playing uh, Texas A&M close right now at home. And Indiana State is for real. They are number 23. They hadn't been ranked since Larry Bird was there. (laughs) Uh, You know, I mean, that's that's really something. Okay. And uh, Kentucky dropped to number 22. They have too much talent to be losing. (laughs) Too much talent to be losing. They've got it all, and they're losing. And uh, one... uh, Special note, there's a guy that plays for um, Washington State. His name is Miles Rice. He's been in school three years, but this is his actually his freshman year playing. He was a red shirt during the COVID year. Then the year he was supposed to play, he was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. So he missed a year. Uh, uh, he had to do all, go through, all through the chemo 
and all that. I'm going to try to make the long story short. Well, right now they are 18 and six, the number two in the pack, 12. They're right outside the top 25. He's their leading scorer at 15.6 a game, 3.8 assists, and 1.8 steals. And he's been the freshman of the week for three straight weeks. Miles, uh, I'm sorry, Miles Rice. And uh, I watched him play. He, he, he's a good player. Good player. NBA. Um, NBA. 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 All right. Um, you know the trade deadline players. Uh, but let me go first with uh, Cleveland, who had won nine straight, and they lost last night. Uh, Donovan Mitchell's been playing great. He's the MVP candidate. Victor Wimbenyama had 27 points, 14 rebounds, and 10 blocks last night. And it was historic because there were only five others to do it, Kareem, Hakeem, Ralph Sampson, Shaq, and David Robinson. Mm -hmm. uh, trades, the Knicks, they picked up Bo Bo Bojan Bogdanovic, who can play in Alex Burks. And then they've got the return of Ju Julius Randle in, uh, coming. Philadelphia picked up Buddy Hield, Cameron Payne, and then they recently got Kyle Lowry. Mm -hmm. The Celtics picked up Xavier Tillman and Jaden Springer. Oklahoma City picked up uh, the kid from, uh, not the kid, he's not a kid, uh, Gordon mm -hmm. Haywood from uh, Charlotte. Okay. Uh, he's hurt right now. Uh, Dallas picked up uh, P.J. Washington. And the Lakers yesterday signed Spencer Dinwiddie for the rest of the year. Luka Doncic, uh, not the last 10 games, but it's been 11 games now, but uh, Luka went uh, 10 straight games where he had, in 10 games, he had 375 points, yeah. 100 rebounds, and 100 assists in 10 games. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's awesome. Now, I got more, but I know we got, we're we running short. Oh, the Lakers unveil, unveiled, uh, the first statue of Kobe Bryant, the Mamba, the first of three statues the other day. Yeah. Thanks so My much, guy. Steve. Thanks so much, Steve. Um, Thank you. We're going to give it about 30 seconds, and we're coming right back with Coach Heather Harrell. Welcome back, Dr. Cliff Burton, friends, featuring the absolute very best in all the women's sports in HBCU athletics. We want to welcome our 21 engaged listeners. We also want to welcome Ambrosia and Lee Lanier to our chat box. Boy, what an honor do we have with us tonight. Coach Heather Pavlik, two-time defending NCAA Division III women's volleyball coach from the Juniata Eagles in Huntington, Pennsylvania. She has a career record of nearly 46 and 68 in 13 seasons of coaching. She completed her 13 seasons as the head coach of the Juniata College Women's Volleyball Team, earning the program's second straight NCAA Division III Volleyball National Championship. Seven-time landmark conference coach of the year has made Juniata the top program in the country since taking over the program from her mentor and former coach, Larry Bach. 
Now, let me check in some of her accomplishments since she started coaching. Again, 46 68 overall record, two time division women's volleyball national champion, 13 consecutive landmark conference champion, 13 consecutive NCAA tournament appearances, four NCAA tournament semifinal appearances, 29 and 10 in the NCAA tournament record, 72 landmark conference regular season record, 24 0 landmark conference tournament record. Three times AVCA Mid-Atlantic Region Coach of the Year, seven-time Landmark Conference Coaching Staff of the Year winner, five-time All-ECAC Coach of the Year. She's produced 26 AVCA All-American selections, 46 AVCA All-Region selections, and one AVCA Player of the Year Award, one AVC National Freshman of the Year, and four AVC Regional Players of the Years, four AVCA Regional Freshmen of the Years. She's got the 31 Landmark Conference Player of the Year Awards, 68 all selections, 37 Landmark Conference Players of the Week. And she's also academically, her players are two college sports communicators, academic Americans, 10 college sports communicators, academic all district honorees, and 85 Landmark Conference Academic Honor Roll honorees. Please, it is my pleasure to welcome to the show none other and coach, national championship coach, Heather Havlick. Coach, how are you doing? I'm well, I'm well. So thank you so much for having me on. Oh, coach, it is great to have you. Um, this year on our show, we wanted to emphasize volleyball. Our show started in November of 2022. So we actually missed mm -hmm. volleyball season and we wanted to make sure we educated our audience. So coach, before we get to Juniata and your coaching, tell us, how did you fall in love with the game as a player, I guess, somewhere in your higher school, and how did you get into this game of volleyball as a player? Uh, I was very lucky. I was actually a basketball player, um, okay. and I love basketball as well. Uh, I had a high school coach who um, had coached some players whose uh, father coached me in basketball. And uh, so he actually talked me into trying out. I had no intention of doing so, but uh, he kind of forced me. Uh, his daughters gave me a few lessons and um, I wasn't so sure about it at first. Uh, but after I played for a year or two, you start to understand that the game moves faster, um, how exciting it can be. Uh, I think the first stages of volleyball can sometimes be challenging for youngsters. Uh, we didn't make it as easy on people back then as we do now to learn the game. Um, so that's how I got my start. And by the time I was in high school, I think uh, the two sports were pretty even, along with playing softball as well. And um, I fell in love with volleyball probably in the second half of my high school years. Mm -hmm. Coach, we're learning, or I'm learning. I'm a former basketball player in the 80s, okay? But I'm learning <laughs> about volleyball. And what position – did you play or excel in? Because they have uh, setters. Now, you correct me if my terminology is wrong. They have <laughs> libero. Is that the way you say it? I'm, I'm messing up on my own show. No, okay. you're okay. Libero is right. fine. Yes. All right. Bring me along, coach. Bring me along. And then uh, they always have the ones that you set up for the kills. What are those called? The ones who kill hitters? They're, they're just hitters. Yeah, okay. they're hitters. Okay. I was, I was actually a setter. Uh, so I, I like to be in charge. You know, when I play basketball, I was a point guard. And uh, so that just naturally made sense uh, that I was a setter because you kind of control the entire offense. I see. So point guard of the volleyball team, if I could put it that way. Yes, right. yes. So you come through college, uh, I mean, high school, 
and you get offers to go play college, uh, different players and different divisions. I want to get into that a little bit. I did. I did. I had offers from all three divisions. Mm-hmm. Um, I had known the coach at Junietta, Larry Bach, for a few years because I had played club volleyball there and had no intention of going there. I, it was too familiar. Um, and as like, like many young people, I was looking at large schools first, thinking, oh, I'll go far away to this big school. And when I started to do my homework a little bit about Juniata, I not only found that the volleyball was every bit as good as many division yes. ones, mm-hmm. uh, but the academics were stellar. And they had a biology program that I uh, was very interested in. And so mm-hmm. I kind of came to Juniata a little bit late in the process. I was definitely in the second half of my senior year before I made that decision. Wow. And, uh, and I, I want to get into that because I think, and we've talked about it, Coach, before we get into your players and what your coaching part there. Um, a lot of players, I think, miss Division three opportunities, which I think, and this is personal, are the best opportunities in the country. Um, you, you continue to focus, as you said, on your academics. The competition is just as fierce. A lot of kids have a misperception. And I'm a former, uh, yeah, I'm a former Division three player in the 80s. So, um, I, I totally agree with you and making that correct decision. What would you say to the youngster, or could we say to a youngsters today who are making that decision of how to convince them to at least look at Division Three, which has the most colleges out there? Yes. In NCAA? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, what I always say to people is if you've done all of your homework and you've done um, what you need to do to figure out what you want educationally, because that's the most important piece. You're going to come out of college with a degree that's going to carry you for the rest of your life. Um, Once you've done that homework, if your dream school also also comes to you and says, here's a scholarship to play volleyball, then great. Uh, That's the perfect fit. But a lot of times I don't think that's what happens. I think sometimes uh, offers are given and they're not a great fit academically, but people will overlook that. And sometimes they'll miss out on great opportunities at places that might have been a better fit. Uh, there's so many different kinds of schools in all three divisions, mm-hmm. um, as well as uh, junior colleges and everything else that I think you have to do all your homework program by program. Uh, there are great programs in Division One. There are great programs in Division Two. There are great programs in Division Three. And I think you have to take them individually because there are many Division Threes at the very top who are going to be a lot of Division Twos and are no going to be actually quite a, a lot of Division Ones, which we have in the past. Mm. Um, so you just have to do your homework and find the right school. Yeah. So, Coach, you uh, you come to Juniata as a player. I believe you won a national championship. Is that correct? As a player, I did. I did not actually. I left with a major grudge about that. It's probably some of the Uh-oh. reason why I ended up being a coach. <laughs> <laughs> but you won one as assistant coach. Is this correct? Yeah, I was an associate head coach. So I was an assistant for about seven years at the beginning when I was very young. And then I became the associate head coach. And we won two national championships while I was the associate head coach. I see. Now, as a, as a coach at a Division three in recruitment, because we always talk about or we try to talk about D1, of course, full scholarship, D2, mm-hmm. partial scholarship. But for the young person out there to understand that you can still be an academic, work study, et cetera, get yes. if not all if not all of your way paid and you can still go to division three and come out and do well financially if you keep your grades up let's talk about that yeah i think 
You know, it's so individual with Division Three. That's the part that makes it challenging because you're talking about merit-based scholarships. So you're talking mm -hmm. academic scholarships, but you're also talking need-based aid. And many schools do a wonderful job of meeting need for students. So if someone is a great student and they have some need, sometimes a package at a Division Three school can be actually be better than what they would be offered with just athletic scholarship, especially with Division Twos where it's partial. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I think they need to do the homework there too. And one of the challenges, sometimes the timing, they get pushed to make early decisions. And it is a little harder to make early decisions with division threes because you're dealing with uh, admissions, you're dealing with enrollment packaging. Uh, but there are many schools now who will do estimates for you early. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can have all of the information on the table from all of the schools you're looking at and then make a good decision based on what the best fit is. But I think if they just do their homework and don't kind of fall into that idea of, um, I have to hurry here and make a decision um, because they're offering money. And it's like, if they really want you, they'll wait, even if they're offering money uh, till you get all of the information from everywhere that you're looking at. Mm -hmm. Now, some of the advantages of a smaller division three school uh, is the academic or student to faculty ratio. And yes. that's why one of the reasons that helps students become so successful uh, there and, and later on in life. Tell us about Juniata's um, small ratio of yeah. faculty students and the advantage it was for you as a biology major. Yeah. Um, you know, right now, I think we're at about 11 to 1. Wow. Uh, we've been anywhere between 11 to 1 or 12 to 1. And it was very similar when I was in school. And uh, I got a lot more hands-on opportunities because those classes were so small. Um, you know, for instance, you're in some kind of a lab, you're gonna be doing that by yourself, not in a group. Uh, so you're gonna learn it really well because you're, you have to know all the answers. Um, but you have those professors at your disposal so easily uh, that they're there to help you. Um, I remember when I was in school, it was not very common for undergraduates to get to use a scanning electron microscope. Mm -hmm. um, I was able to do that as an undergrad, where I had friends who were at some larger institutions that really didn't get any of those opportunities until they were graduates um, and they were in grad school. And so the accessibility to lab kind of things, the accessibility to professors, doing research with professors, maybe doing um, independent studies with professors is so much easier because there are less of you and there are more of them um, to partner with. Yeah. I was reading on the school, is it true that they have uh, your advisors, like two advisors for one yes. student? Wow. Yes. So they have one that's in their area of study. Mm -hmm. They have another that is kind of a mentor, someone else who has to look at their scheduling, has to look at what they've taken and make sure they don't fall through the cracks anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, so you've got two sets of eyes on everything. And you know, for athletes, you also have your coach. Yeah. Um, so they have so many people looking out for them. And you know, I always give them the advice of, if you are struggling in any way, shape or form, you should first go to the PhD who's teaching the course. Um, because you're going to be able to just stick your head in their doorway and say, I didn't get that. Can you help me out? Mm -hmm. um, they're going to know your face. They're going to know your name. They're probably going to have come and watched you play at some point. Mm -hmm. Coach, um, so you get there, you finish up biology major. Now, how do we go from <laughs> biology? Because most people, you know, we're, you know, I'm a, I'm a physician and I was a chemistry. We have a couple other scientists, athletes on there on our staff. But how did you end up with your love or how did we get up to coaching and teaching? And tell me how that came about. 
Yeah. So I was actually accepted into physical therapy school already, mm -hmm. and I decided to take a year and work in a physical therapy clinic first and save some money. Mm -hmm. um, in the meantime, I had gone back home to do this. So uh, my former high school coach said, well, if you're going to be here, you got you have to help me out. Mm -hmm. uh, so I did. I helped her coach girls volleyball, I helped her coach girls basketball and then boys volleyball in the spring. Um, and then my husband and I got engaged and I moved to State College um, where he was at. And so it was near Junietta. And my former college coach said the same thing. If you're going to be here, why don't you help me out? Um, so I got talked into it twice. And mm. before I knew it, I was doing more volleyball than I was any science. Um, and as the years went on, it just became more volleyball, less of anything else, because I just kind of fell in love with it. And honestly, if I weren't doing this, I would be in science somewhere, maybe teaching, yeah. uh, because I love that too. Wow. Well, I, I, Juniata and all the volleyball has, has been blessed because of it. Uh, Coach, I'm going to open up to some of our, our staff who may have questions. Um, start with a volleyball player on our staff, uh, Ms. Joelle Barris. Questions, comments for Coach, Championship Coach Heather Havlick. Yes, yes. I'm so excited to hear you. And first thing I want to say is congratulations, coach, on all Thank you've you. done for Junetta College. Yes. Thank I love you. the uh, thank you. The women's volleyball dynasty program you've built. I sat up there and heard you guys talking about the enhanced developmental support that you have with the two advisors. You have an advisor, a mentor. You also have your coach. Uh, along with the winning success that you've made. I was reading that um, they were re saying in there that your upperclassmen, juniors and seniors on how they've been to championships twice and how your underclassmen have come <laughs> in on top. Yes. My hats are off to you <laughs> as a volleyball player. Yes. And Thank you. It's I around. That. Yes, thank you. And eyes are looking around the world at the volleyball program. Now they have on ESPN and everyone else. You can catch these volleyball teams. So yes. you are a big part of it. Thank you for building such a dynamic program. And my only question that I have is, could you give us some kind of insight on building as you recruit now? You yeah. recruit uh, throughout the country. And exactly what are you looking for? Because you've built there and players can, regardless of what it costs, they can build the qualities inside yep. that will help them carry in a program like this. So thank you. Yeah, uh, I, you're quite welcome. I, um, I think obviously you're looking for physical skills, right? You're, you're looking for somebody who can play the game really well. And that part, that's the easy part. Um, you know, we go all around the country to all kinds of different um, junior national tournaments uh, to recruit people. So I'm actually traveling to Kansas city this uh, coming weekend uh, to watch thousands of players. Um, so you find people who fit your program skill wise, but I, I think it goes way beyond that. Um, we pay a lot of attention to, how do they treat their coaches? Do they look their coaches in the eye when they're talking to them? Um, how do they handle disappointment? You know, something goes poorly. How do they treat their teammates? I think we're watching all of those kind of interactions because we are very, very committed um, to bringing people in who are not only good players and good students, um, but who are good people and mm -hmm. really commit themselves to being good teammates and want to be good teammates. 
And then once we get those kind of people, they're not perfect. Um, you know, none of us are perfect. And so we really do try to work on their skills that are going to really help them once they leave Juniata. Things that are going to be put in their toolbox. I have a friend who always said they come in with a toolbox with a few tools in it. It's our job to fill it up. Wow. Um, and that's what we try to do. We try to fill it up. Uh, whether that is conflict resolution, whether that is building confidence, uh, whether that is the ability to speak in public, um, to be comfortable answering questions for people, you know, all of the things that you're going to carry. The idea of compromise. When you disagree with somebody, it's really okay to disagree, but what do we do with that? Um, do we compromise? Or do we sometimes just have to agree to disagree, but still be fine with that person? Um, those are all skills that you have to practice to be good at. They don't happen naturally. Um, so we practice. We work really hard at it. Mm -hmm. Coach, before I come to uh, Jim Waddell with the next question, is it true now you didn't play during the COVID year in Correct. 2020, but you have three singers this year? Is that right? <laughs> yes, I do. Okay, Foley. I've been looking at my homework. Coach yep. Kiana Hernandez. I've been practicing yep. now. And uh, Kennedy Christie. Is that correct? That is correct. And all three have an extra year of eligibility that they're oh, going to use. Oh, help the country, but I'm pulling for Juliana, okay? <laughs> Coach, so, Coach, I understand that this group, since they have been playing the last three years, their record is, what, 102 and three? That sounds right, yes. Whoa. Jim? Oh, boy. Jim, go ahead. Hey, you endearing yourself to me because I have a biology Come closer to the mic, Jim. Can't hear you. I am. I also am a biology major and played basketball. I played uh, golf in college. Wonderful. And where is this hotbed of volleyball, Juliana, Juliana located? So we're in South Central Pennsylvania. Um, we're probably maybe about an hour, hour and a half to the Maryland border. Mm -hmm. um, it's in a very small town. There's not a whole lot around. The Central Pennsylvania area is um, not you know, highly populated. Um, but there's this great little college that sits in this small college town um, where people can focus on the things that are most important. Uh, people always say, how do you get people here to this small town? And my answer is um, I bring them in and let them experience it because they've got this whole town that actually cares about volleyball. They mm. come to the gym, they follow things. Our players are kind of rock stars on campus and in town. Um, and it's a really neat place for that reason. And the people are friendly. Um, you know, the town is supportive. Uh, so it's just a great little community. And uh, I think it is hard to convince people until they actually come and experience it. And once they experience it, uh, we do very well at, uh, you know, matriculating those people. Mm -hmm. Coach, you recruit in oh, go ahead, high Jim. school, go ahead, or do you go to the AAU circuit to recruit for volleyball? We mostly these days are at the AAU circuit. So, uh, for instance, I was in Indianapolis last weekend. This next weekend, I'm going to be in Kansas City. Um, my associate head coach will be in Washington, D.C. this coming weekend. Uh, so we really do travel. We see a lot of people. But when you get to these sites, you know, you've got thousands of players to take a look at, which is great. Mm -hmm. Coach, we're coming to Dr. Kemp next. Before I do, I want to um, make the statement or comment or compliment about Juniata College. A lot of times we don't make the correct decisions because we don't know what those decisions or opportunities are. Your campus diverse, 20% minority. And mm -hmm. I also looked at the graduation rate of your students. 
your minority students or first generation students, most is 80, 85% or higher. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just make, I'm going to give you a hand clap, coach, because a lot of, a lot of our students um, in urban areas just don't know where Juliana or a lot of our Division three schools are to reach out to you. And so, um, uh, we got to do a better job because, again, a lot of great opportunities. I'm going to come to Dr. Kemp on that. Dr. Kemp? Yes. Thank you, Dr. Burr and uh, Coach Heather. Um, you can't see me, but I have a hat on, and I want you to know that I am tipping my hat to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you, yeah. Dr. Kemp. Phenomenal player, just a rock star. We just want you to know that, and just to have all these wonderful uh, student athletes, and just yourself as a coach, just to bring them along, and just to to just to show them um, what a champion um, is like. So I really, really, uh, I really do uh, appreciate you as a coach and a woman. Thank my you so much. Welcome. Uh, my question is. Um, is there anything that you remember as being a player that helped you to actually teach uh, your student athletes once you became a coach? Yes. Um, I, as I had mentioned earlier, I was so lucky to have this great high school coach. She was a legend. She had won state championships and she went out of her way for me all the time. Uh, my parents were both working. So sometimes I didn't have rides everywhere and she would, she would pick me up. She would mm. feed me. Um, she would drop me at home if they couldn't get there in time. Um, you know, and I got to college and I had the same experience with, uh, Larry Bach. Uh, what I learned is, um, they don't really care what you know until they know you care. Um, mm -hmm. so it's so important to build those relationships. Uh, it's not just about coaching, you know, it's just not about coaching, uh, stick figures walking around the court. They're people and people have feelings and people have, um, all kinds of ups and downs in their life. And if they know you care, um, even the bad days are something that you can share with them and help them through. Um, so I think that's kind of our job as, as collegiate coaches. It's a time when they're trying to figure out who they are, what they're about, uh, what they stand up for. And um, being part of that is actually uh, the best part of the job. Mm -hmm. All righty. Coach, uh before we come to Steve, who is a basketball coach and an educator, James is also a girls basketball coach. Um, I want to say this, or get this out about the school. Juniana has about 1,200 students. Is that correct? A little over yes. 1,200? And yes. half them, mm -hmm, slightly half women. I'm looking at demographics. And um, just a great place. It seems like you know, education. I mean, as we talked about, but I just want to get that out for our audience. And, uh, Coach, we are downloaded. Our show is downloaded in 38 states so far in seven countries. So a lot more people know Coach Pavlik <laughs> after this show. And we're coming upon 2,000 downloads. Uh, Steve, I'm going to come to you with the next question, comment, a statement for Coach, National Championship Coach, Heather Pavlik. Steve? Coach, how are you doing this evening, Coach? I'm well. Great. Uh, I've gotten a wealth of information from you tonight, and I – you know, what you said about the kids and what you look for when you go on a recruiting trip, you know, I've stressed the same thing to kids that, 
you know, they're watching everything you do. They're watching how you react, how you don't react. They're watching how you interact with your teammates and everything. And I thought that's a very valuable information, especially coming from a coach who's out there recruiting kids. Um, but one thing I can say is that if uh, I had a kid that you were, my, my wife and I, if we had a kid that uh, you were recruiting, uh, you you would have already sold us <laughs> on your school yeah. because not only are they getting a great coach in person, they're going to be prepared for life when they leave that school. They're going to be ready to go out and go after whatever it is. They're going to be ready to do whatever it is they need to do. But another thing I want to say, did I read that you won or you all won 65 straight matches? 62. 62, I think. Yeah, I think, I think we're at 62 right now. Wow. Coach, you won so much, you lost count. Hold on, Coach. Hold on. Hold <laughs> you on. Know, honestly, I, I try not to pay too much attention to those things. It's it's hard, and it, but it's the same thing we talk to our players about. It, you can't get caught up in the noise that's happening outside of the program. Mm -hmm. Um you got to focus on the goal. You have to focus on each other. And the only people who can affect reaching that goal are the people who can look you in the eyes every day in that practice gym. Um, so I do lose track. Um, and I don't worry about it too much because I tell them the same. You know, a poll is going to come out. They're going to have us ranked a number. But in the end, that's somebody's opinion. So who cares? Uh, whether it's good, whether it's bad, we shouldn't get caught up in either one um, because they are people's opinions. And in the end, you you either win or you lose. That's why we play the games, right? Mm -hmm. but, uh, can I ask you one more thing, Coach? Sure. Uh, I know that there have been some big-time programs that have tried to get you. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, what do you tell them? I mean, um, I, I'm just extremely yeah. happy where I am, and I'm sure oh, you are. Yeah, I, that's part of it. I mean – Yes, people have asked me to, to, to make moves at different times through my career, but um, I think there's something inherently beautiful about kind of where I'm at. And it's my alma mater, yeah. but I think there's something tried and true with Division Three athletics. Um, yes. Every day when I walk in that gym, I know each of them is walking in there because they really want to do this. I'm not holding anything over their head. Mm -hmm. um, and everybody is even in that gym. Nobody has a scholarship and other people don't. Um, so for me, it just feels like the right fit. Uh, now having said that Juniata has really taken care of me. Uh, they've mm -hmm. taken care of my associate head coach. They've taken care of my program. Um, and I just really appreciate that. Um, uh, so I, there's a fair big sense of loyalty for me too. Wonderful. That's awesome. Coach, uh, with a few minutes we have left, I want to shift just a little bit. You know, volleyball is a great game. Been around low Hyman way back in the day. Uh, and the two volleyball, Jennings, Marshall, the two great uh, beach volleyball players, Olympians. But um, why do you think all of a sudden the big match in Nebraska that drew 50,000, 60,000 yeah. people? Now we have a professional women's league. I understand it's a few weeks ago. What do you think's making it take off now? You know, honestly, I think a lot of it has to do with kind of the generation we're in. So, you know, like I said, when I was younger, I was playing basketball, I was playing baseball, I was playing football, doing all these things. Um, and someone had to force me to play volleyball. 
And part of that was because I didn't know a lot about it. And I grew up in a little small town. Um, and I think that that generation, the generation that I'm in, we're all we're all in our forties uh, and fifties now. And mm-hmm. we're driving the demand. Our our daughters, our sons are playing the game. And mm-hmm. so we're out there in gyms. I can't tell you how many times I'm standing in a gym recruiting and I see a professional athlete standing on the sidelines watching their daughter play volleyball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, so I think we're driving the demand. Our children are driving the demand uh, because they're playing the game. They're falling in love with the game and they're demanding to see it more. Wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, Coach, I'm going to come to Dr. Kemp. We usually give her the last word and then, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Dr. Kemp. Thank you, Dr. Blake. Coach, I always try to ask the coaches this one question um, before we leave, Um, but I just wanted to know, do any of your students try to challenge you as a player? (laughs) Do they think that they can get over on you? And do you show show them who really is the best volleyball player in the gym? (laughs) Oh, you know, I'm old now. So uh, there's not, (laughs) they know the history, they know the lore, but, um, you know, honestly, we have a great relationship. And so they give me a hard time about some things sometimes, but um, it's all in good fun. And, um, you know, they're, they're a wonderful group and uh, we've got some really strong personalities in the group too, which makes it even more fun uh, the way they mix together and, and they get after me a little bit too. Uh-huh. All righty. Coach, um, boy, this has gone by too fast. I do want to say though, um, we, we're talking about Mount Rushmore of athletes. We don't often talk about <laughs> Mount Rushmore of coaches. So we're going to play Coach Summit. Tara Vanderer, Coach Catholic, <laughs> okay? And we're going to give one or two more. But we just really appreciate what you're doing. Uh, we're going to be cheering. We're going to be following. We now know where the Juniata Eagles are, Huntington, PA. And uh, anything you want to say to us or our staff before we uh, just about have to get out of here? I just want to say thank you. This has been a pleasure. Uh, thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much for highlighting, uh, you know, women's sports and uh, HBCUs. It's wonderful. Thanks so much. Stay right there, Coach. All righty. So, I guess Coach Heather Pavnik, two-time Division Three National Champion Volleyball Coach from the Juniata Eagles. Now, coming up next week, we have the men's basketball coach from Wiley College in the uh, GCAC. They're getting ready for the basketball tournament the week after that. The following week, we have Miss Eva Dalton. She is a diversity and inclusion officer in corporate America. We talk about those subjects too. So she'll be the guest the following week. Then coming fresh off of the CIAA tournament, we have the head coach from Coppin State. So we have three guests coming up. But again, we want to say thank you so much. Coach Heather Pavlik, two-time national champions of the Juniata Eagles. Coach, thank you so much. And we'll see everybody back in 100 and 68 hours from now. Thank you, Coach. Thank you, Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Go, Juniata. Yeah. All right. Take care. All right. Thank you, Coach.